So, Buddha's path, middle way, middle way immediately, or I should suggest the sense of finding a balance. And that's a kind of epitome of the Buddhist practice. That's why it can never, you can never really be a fundamentalist Buddhist. They should fundamentally balance, which I don't think is really a problem. <laughs> so it's the way of non-grasping, which is that seizing onto something to maintain balance. We hold on to something to hold us up. We hold on to sense data, we hold on to ideas about ourselves, we hold on to ideologies, we hold on to territory, to, we hold on to doctrines, we hold on to religions to hold us steady, keep us up. <laughs> and so it's very much recognizing that, that, that grasping and in something is needed. <laughs> if there's this much goes on, kind of by default, this tendency to grasp and hold and need to hold and feel frightened and disoriented if we're not holding and knowing and clear about this, that and the other. Wow, something needs to uh, come in, you know, to do the carrying. Uh, and this is the... Uh, um, that's which, which comes in through the... through in tandem as one is able to let go something else picks you up. You're only if you are only able to let go if something else carries you. The sense is much more like floating, balanced floating, rather than propped, hanging on. So it's this lightness which the body, mind, heart, in sync, synchronize, balance, they, they by themselves, kind of act as a, a kind of flexible, uh, flexible org- organism, flexible animated experience. Mm. It's able to flex and know itself. It knows itself, it senses itself. Mm. Mm. It's like you don't have to tell your body to heal a cut, it does it. You don't have to tell your body if you're tipping over, hey, find balance, it, it automatically does it. <laughs> you know? And so if we connect to that animated intelligence, that, then we're getting a good line into uh, connection to that which can bring around this self-supporting, balanced experience. Um, Fluid. It's important to bear this this possibility in mind. Because what is more apparent structures, forms, sensations, um, and also the the structures that 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 organize experience for us. The mind rapidly generates structures that organize experience. Time, 
organizes experience. Space, location, that organizes experience. I'm here, not there. I've got to go from this place to that place. I belong to this place and not that place. This is my territory, that's your territory. That structure organizes us. We know where we are. This is my flat, my car, my place. We know where we are. Mm. Identity through that, through these kinds of structures, time, space, identity. I know who I am. Because we have various uh, phenomena are remembered, registered, and grasped at memories, um, particularly mental stuff. By and large, we don't really grasp our, our bodies that much. It's mostly mental psychologies, uh, that which is most intimate and familiar. That's me again, here I am. That's me again. Here I am with my compulsive attitudes about this, here I am with my fears and phobias about that, here I am with my moods and preferences, that's me again. Here I am. My memories, that fits in. So this, this template to become a self, is, is, you know, that's a very fundamental tendency to become, to become an identity. And then various phenomena stick to that, unlike flypaper. You hold it up and then various things stick to it. What sticks to it are the, are the qualities that are most impactful, that's most feeling, most poignant, most resonant. So we become that which is most uh, intimate, familiar, repeated, and uh, poignant, which could be rather even troublesome. You know, not necessarily pleasant. We don't, certainly, I don't think any of us feel we've become fantastically, compulsively happy. Why do we accumulate all the good stuff? Why do you accumulate all the rubbish? <laughs> Because it, it because it disturbs us. <laughs> that which disturbs you sticks. Isn't that strange? You know. They were addicted to, to that which is most disturbing. This is not. <laughs> this is this is prior to the personality. Personality is mad. It doesn't make sense. This is prior to the personality. This is a kind of fundamental. You could say we're fundamentally sensitive. There's a fundamental sensitivity. What impacts that? Shocks it. And some of that's agreeable, but a good amount of it is just the painful, the misunderstood, the frustrated, the um, disappointed, the abused, the uh, can't get get it done, failure. Here I am failing. The, The flustered, here I'm a flusterer. So that sticks to this kind of virtual template of becoming. And then in that, in that, it, oh, how can I stop being like this? Still, we're still staying on the same template. How do I become something other than this? How do we get these sticky, how do you get these flies off my flypaper? <laughs> well, of course, 
you know, can pick a few off, but probably small will land. So the fundamental thing is to actually drop the flypaper, <laughs> since it's quite likely there will be hurtful experiences, disappointments, frustrations, feeling inadequate, uh, not being understood. It's quite possible that's going to come up again. <laughs> but there's no flypaper. The flies don't stick. Mm-hmm. Painful feeling. Comfortable feeling. Yeah. That's true, isn't it? Uncomfortable feeling. Unpleasant feeling. Disappointing feeling. But also, how much of that disappointing feeling is because one's not lived up to one's self-impression, the, the template of identity, where I should be competent, efficient, on time, punctual, uh, totally informed, organized, and cheerful, and relaxed at the same time, and with a lot of space. It's not going to happen. It's an impossible equation. You just can't add those up. And so any one of those is like, no, could do better, could be more effective, could be more cheerful, could be more empathic, could be more spacious, could be less neurotic. <laughs> C minus. And just kind of then there's this sense this you just recognize what we don't notice because we notice all the sticky stuff, we don't notice what's it stuck to in the template of becoming. Mm. So the identity is this, uh, I call it, it's erected by this energy or this what you want to call it drive flow called becoming, by that which prior to one's identity, prior to one's sense of self, this kind of very fundamental, pre-personal urge to form an identity. Mm. That's called the urge to to become, to shape. And it means we shape an identity, we shape time, we shape other identities. That's her. She's one of those. He's this. He's like that. And so then, because he's like that, I'd better be like this, so that we can feel comfortable with each other. Because he's like this, because he's like this, then I'd better be like that, so that we can work together. Or, because he's like this, I'd better make sure he doesn't know I'm like that, otherwise him being like this won't like me, who's like that. (laughs) So if I stop being like that, he was like this, might feel comfortable. But then again, perhaps he should not be like that. <laughs> then I'd be okay. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> no. And so, you know, actually, well, what are we going to do, you know? <laughs> so, but then the, the, the sense is, yeah, you've got to kind of reducing that by just, I mean, just very simple thing, tolerant, patient, let it change, I can be with the changes, 
I'm not losing my presence, staying balanced, not getting out of my cradle, not shutting down, staying open, staying integrity, and then where's the where's the where's the heart energy in this? Mm. When is it steady and balanced? Mm. You must bear in mind. I ask you to consider. Ask you to investigate the animated condition. The animated condition, just like a body, seeks its happiness. Just like a body does not want to fall down, does not want to break a leg. If it does, it will start to heal it. Similarly, the emotional, the heart is the same thing. It does not want to. It wants to feel steady. It has an innate inclination towards well-being. Now we don't, but then if we think, oh, that well-being means I've got to have this and that. No, 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 that's secondary. It's an innate quality of to feel comfortable. And we say, okay, let's just start finding that in our own embodied state. And let's get in this. So it's been this very powerful asset and very powerful um, and comfortable and benevolent uh, resource in allowing to dismantle or put aside or soften the sense of identity, your identity, my identity, what I imagine you are, what I think I should be for you, what I think you feel I should be what you think, what I feel you think I was and should have been, but didn't (laughs) and so on or stuck on the template of becoming becoming establishes an identity that's, that's supposed to be consistent through time that's the nature of it, becoming is a is a sense of consistency right? Becoming established to an ongoing temporality. I am, I was, I will be. Yeah. I was this, and it's supposed to be steady. I was, but everything, <laughs> you know, when we, uh, that, that's, that's, the, that's the underlying drive for it, for permanence, for steadiness, for continuity. Yeah. So I can lay out my Google Calendar and get things lined up. I've got my maps, I know where I'm going. And it's all clear on the map and on the calendar. Then you're into the reality of... <laughs> yeah. Just feeling lost, disoriented. And, and then you come back into this. Here we are. Steady. Well... Find your balance. Those becoming, however, it presents these possibilities for continuity, for permanence, for arriving at a successful destination, to being properly established, clear, efficient, effective, warm-hearted, cheerful, and relaxed. At the same time, however much it presents these dazzling possibilities, you know, with some wisdom, you say, "This is a mirage. This is a mirage." 
Now the middle way is also the non-becoming. I don't exist, nobody exists, it's all just empty phenomena whirling around in the void, all illusions. Um, nothing matters, nothing. There's no ethical sense, there's no need to care for anybody because there's nobody really there anyway, and that's all just an emotional flux, and so what. So this is called non-becoming, nihilism. Nihilism is often a frustrated idealism. If I can't get into my romance of life, then I get fed up, cynical, and nihilistic. doesn't matter who gives a who anyway. It is rebarva. The middle way is avoids these extremes. <laughs> it's not about nihilism, nor is it about permanence and romanticism. It's about actuality. Yeah. And the which um, was these two negative, one negative, one affirmative mirage that's all pointless or that I've got to make something happen. Once those mirages are understood to be what they are, something else can come through. How are they to be understood? How can we understand them? Well, if we come into <laughs> if we come into the animate condition, okay, the animate condition, we're alive. Mm-hmm. When we were, we were born, we didn't know it was May the 9th. We just got born. We didn't say, "I'll be born exactly at 4:27." We just <laughs> we just went ahead and did it. <laughs> we didn't say, "I'm going to be in, born in Lewisham or." <laughs> Glasgow didn't decide that either, it just happened. It just happened, you know. Beyond location, beyond particular time, they animate. It's just because the rhythms of life had reached their fullness, and that's what happens. You move into that. The rhythms of life have moved along when you're into this fullness, and now you're in this. The animate condition rolls on. And that's what our living is. So there's something there, but it doesn't. It doesn't really, by itself, operate according to these structures. It changes, but you can't say it's going to be different at four twenty-nine. It is at at four forty-five. Something's changed quickly. Something's changed slowly. Location. When are we on retreat? When we come to London Insight, when are we on retreat? As soon as you're walking through the gate, are you on retreat? Front gate? No, not yet. When you enter the front door, you're on retreat? Not nearly. When you sit on the mat, you're on retreat? (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) So this is some kind of boundary line. (laughs) You know, does it start at the front gate? Does it start in the door entrance? Does it? Where does it start? So it starts. It starts. It doesn't really start, does it? Does it? Yeah, we have bells and things, but does it start? Did you suddenly come in totally blank with nothing happening, and then bing? No, you came, your animated condition came in, and it sort of was moving along and things change and things soften and things developed and things shifted and then 
somebody rang a bell as more changing and shifting went on and then eventually somebody else rings a bell and says thank you very much and the changing and shifting <laughs> continues <laughs> right? now if you maintain a reasonable reasonably balanced attention not too sharp not too fine focus as a possibility to get beyond beginnings and endings And then you begin, which is about time, isn't it? Do things begin? Okay, let's take it very. When does your thought begin? Where does your thought begin? Thought, where does it begin? Where does it end? Does it end? Is there a thought? Think a thought, thought, that end of that sound to thought, fading. Has it ended or is it just kind of faded? Now we say, I'm about to think a thought. I'm about to think a thought. What thought should I think about? (laughs) Uh, Nothing happens. And then you relax and suddenly thoughts start rushing in. <laughs> what happened? And you lost attention. Thought, thoughts process start, sort of came, became apparent. But you can't clearly just sense the beginning of it. You, you sense something sort of crystallizing, like a mist landing on glass, turning into water, and then fading. Where does the sound go? Does it suddenly stop or does it just, you hear the sound and it, the resonances? It's just fading and rising, fading. Now our attention, we think, oh, that's the end of that and switch and move. But if you listen to a sound and you notice it's softer and softer, just see it dips below your hearing. It moves, it dips at a certain point, it gets right to the edge of your hearing and dips below it. But if you have had sharper ears, it will probably last a bit longer. As we get older, our hearing often diminishes. But, yeah, so then the sound has a different quality to it, doesn't it? Very, probably if you're a dog or something, that sound will last a lot longer. A very sharp-eared creature. So, sound is dependent upon one's attention. And the beginnings and endings are just where one's attention shifts. That's enough of that next thing. Stay and keep your attention steady. Thoughts well up. There's a welling up and a flowing. Now what keeps your attention steady is to have a steady heart. Dispassion. As I've tried to indicate, dispassion is not a negative state, it's a state of balanced heart. I'm not opposing anything, I'm not claiming anything, I'm not rejecting anything, I'm not closing down. Not closing down, not grabbing, not claiming, not rejecting, not favouring. 
Now that quality of intentionality comes behind your attention, holds it steady. Because your attention is, is, is told, don't you don't have to hold, know, remember, figure anything. Just stay there. And what happens is the receptivity, the awareness faculty opens up. So we have attention, selects, awareness receives, intention directs. So, we, so your well-directed attention is just find a comfortable place where an where your animated experience can be sensed you know, without being compressed, strained, try to be something that isn't. Just as it is, your animated experience can be, that's that, and the wholeness of it, uh, and then set the heart on, hey, just don't get phased by any of this, don't panic, don't try to have something you don't have, this is not about building something up, this is not about becoming something, this is not about getting to an answer, this is not about finding an end to things or a resolution, it's just about being aware and allowing process to unfold. And in that, you're giving a lot of uh, faith and trust to the ordinary animated intelligence to say, I'm not interested in that. That's enough of that. That's fine. It just starts to filter it by itself. Mm. And we've heard, I've heard this Rumble <laughs> going on periodically has become part of my identity. This little grumble I have. Yeah. I've listened to it. I've stopped trying to, you know, appease it or curse myself for having it. I'm quite fond of this little grumble because it tells me who <laughs> But maybe it's time to just say, grumble, I've got nothing more to <laughs> to give you or add to you or energy to support you. Or I don't even fight with you, um, you know. Grumble um, goes, starts to shift. It becomes perhaps sadness. Oh, sadness. And the emotional tonality behind some of our repeated issues mm. down to very simple quality sad frightened uh, I'm not enough starved and what we starved of love warmth what we frightened of losing love losing connection or we saddened about a loss of it whatever this heart quality is, we might call it love. Basic, your well-being, your completeness. Yeah. Yeah. And then these, what's needed? What's needed? Okay. Just... And the feeling of failure, not being adequate, 
never having done enough for my I wish I should have done comes up tonality sad and at that point you might find a shiver, the shake or something begins to come in balanced and then we hold the sadness and keep widening your attention back to that frame holding it in the body in that frame breathing in, breathing out letting it do what it does letting one's anger do what it does Right. Well, the animated intelligence will allow it. It's part of part of natural, natural emotional body. The emotional body begins to heal itself. So, whereas identity will fret with history and with other identities and with one's own identity. It will fret with it. Mm. And criticise and complain about it. And this does nothing good. Just puts poisonous energy into the system. There's no good at all. Understandably justified, but actually poisonous. And it seems there's quite a lot of... Um, you know, afflictive things that need to be healed. But it's not surgery. And we can also look at the um, term the Buddha used uh, for this um, middle way. Samma is a constant theme. Samma, ditti, samma, sankapa, samma. Well, yeah, uh, it's a whole lot. <laughs> Sama Vajra and so forth. Sama, Sama, Sama. And, um, you know, right, right, this is right, this is right view, right, you know, right, right speech, right, right resolve, right speech, right action, right language, and so on. Right. Mm. Well, normally our right is, is stands against the background of, of possible wrong. So you've got a dualism there. Right, wrong, and that gets a bit as a sort of beginning. Fundamentalism starts to creep in there. It's a pretty fundamentalist word, right? <laughs> so we don't want that. <laughs> now this is just an English translation, but um, a couple of reflections. Think of something like full. You know, so the Buddha is sama sambuddhasa sama fully. Thoroughly, fully, not rightly, <laughs> fully realized. Sambuddha, Samma, Sambuddha, fully, thoroughly, got this quality of holistically complete. Yeah. Holistically complete. Another uh, quite interesting, when she, if you get some little bit of understanding of the uh, Language, you can also recognize the Buddha he uses oral, he's always teachings are spoken. There's Samma, and there's another word called Samma, which is Samma. The Samma and the Samma. 
Sounds pretty similar, right? Samar means in tune. It's associated with tuning an instrument, samar. So, you know, it's quite, it seems to me it's quite feasible that the Buddha, when he's talking to people who spoke the same language, that he'd recognize a certain wordplay, you know, that behind samar there might be this resonance of samar, since they're almost identical in sound. Yeah. Right in tune. You know, not too tight, not too loose. There we go again. Balance. Middle. Full. Balance. Middle. Whole. Yeah. Mm. Now when we have a whole, full view, we recognize uh, all. This is, this, this is the one which one should encourage to make an effort to, to bear in mind rather than identities in time, rather than people, separate people, little separate flesh bags on a planet, <laughs> what it looks like, what we have is a causal web of causes and conditions. All of us are related to earth, air, breath, water, you know, plant life, and all of us are related to that. All is related, born in a particular temperature and atmosphere that sustain this life. You know, all of us have mother, father. You know, all, of, all of us are loved and hated, or despised and rejoiced in. You know, all, all formed through these formative conditions, physical, biological, genetic, psychological. Right? We're all in the causal web. We are, you know, the awareness of the causal web, which creates certain certain flexible localities. And the point of being causal and conditioned, it means causes and conditions can actually be tweaked and released. Now, Physically, that's not so easy, but the really the stuff that binds us is the psychological causes and conditions. My memories, my habits, my all that. Yeah. So this is stuff you work on. The causes and conditions that generate identity here and him, me and them. And of course, you know, the ones that harden those, when actually what, what is it being experienced is not me and them, what's the experience is anxiety and concern, or longing and fear, or praise and devotion, or that's what's happening. Yeah. Okay. Actually, it's probably just the whole, things don't happen singly either. Yeah. And one of the uh, so you know so actually the, these this causal process is uh, in the psychology of it. It's not just the one shot. It's waves of it. And the first wave is a sense of like a a recognition of well, first is a recognition of being animated, having heart that is vibrant and seeks happiness. The kind of quality and then the sense of another. And is that, oh, and then 
when we begin to conceive of the other as a separation. I don't know what he wants. I don't know if I'm going to be a nuisance. Oh, and that anxiety shimmers in. Yeah. Once we sense the secondary, begin the sensory condition begins to take over and generate the becoming. That's a separate person from me. Therefore, I've got this kind of warm feeling, but I'm a bit nervous about how to bring that across because we're separate. And there's a little shimmer of anxiety. How am I going to manage this? I don't know how to manage this. I don't know how to manage this. You get two trends. One of us is, well, I don't know, I better get myself in as good a condition as possible. <laughs> Say the right thing, get the timing right. That's one thing, one thing, you know. The other is, make sure this one's the right one. You know, I don't think he's much you know, interested in her or him, something wrong. So you get these tendencies, you know, where there's, there's an inflammation of the identity experience becomes inflamed and we think actually I'm probably not really good enough actually to try to be something else because what I am the more inflamed it gets the more that with that anxiety has not been released it just stays there and it triggers more and more things to feel inadequate about <laughs> and so on most of us kind of a certain cut-off point with another, just give up. <laughs> just work it out. <laughs> but how that, that tremble of anxiety, if it's not dealt with, <laughs> you know, how to deal with it. You know, so once you're in the separative experience, anxiety is totally normal. You know, totally normal. I think that once you're in the separative condition, that's part of it. We always don't know what I'll be in the future. Once we're in the separative condition, once we're in the world of becoming, anxiety is part of it. And then all the things we do to try to make sure we are good enough, secure enough, fine enough, accomplished enough. And, and all that stuff builds up, you get social pressure builds up. Make sure you dress right, speak right, look right. Builds up. And you get the opposite. To hell with it. I'll be a slob. If you don't like me, it's your tough luck. You know, get the other extreme. <laughs> That's kind of swinging around. Well, it's just, wait a minute. Let's get out of this, pull back, and let's come back to the fundamental. You know, this imbalances to... Causes and conditions, causes and conditions, causes and conditions, causes and conditions. It's just a web of causes and conditions. Let's bring forth the cause and condition of goodwill. Linger with it, stay with it, mm. keep it in mind, feel comfortable with it, settle your body into it, open your sense faculties with that in mind, open your sense doors with that quality in your heart, 
let's move from there and see what happens. At least you won't lose balance. At least you won't lose heart. Then maybe that will turn into compassion or sympathetic joy or just equanimity. Looks like looks like he's not available. Okay. Okay. Stay. You don't have to feel frustrated. Stay because you stay in that that center. And there's a fullness of heart. Doesn't have to be left. And then we get beyond, you know, though it's, it's of course quite uh, um, poignant and naturally very um, challenging. People pass. These separative phenomena, that's their nature, this separate phenomena, once we're in the world of separation, world of becoming, seeing things in that light. Seeing things, hearing things, in the sense consciousness operates through that. There she was, and she's gone. Mm. <laughs> right? Dead, gone, travelled, finished, off, out. Oh dear. Well, there's your fundamental teaching on the end, on, on the pain of becoming. Once you create a structure. Once you create a structure, you can be absolutely 100% certain that's going to break down. Now, this is not just a train timetable, which is a structure that's going to break down inevitably, <laughs> no matter what they say. So <laughs> it's also the personality structure. <laughs> and even the physical condition. That's the structure. Mm-hmm. Don't, be, don't be alarmed. That's what it does. Then we keep the good heart. Yeah. All that's changed is visual phenomena don't see that person. Yeah. Still, heart stays there. Heart stays there. Because they do, don't they? People come up in your mind from years ago. Yeah. And maybe that's uh, an inevitable sense of Sadness about, you know, that we can't have the interactions because the person's gone, apparently gone. And it's so important then to compensate for that, the shock of the world of becoming with its angularities and its breaks, its ruptures, by developing a good heart. Alive, dead, near, far, doesn't matter. Developing that, then you find that balance. And we, we're sobered by the fact of change, but not shattered by it. Mm. And for sure, in this way we, uh, you know, we recognize this inevitable, then we feel this is important when there is this possibility for interaction to make it authentic as free from blemish as our practice would allow. So therefore people who they stay with us, we're still being guided and we still act as a guide to other people even when our physical forms have gone. So an example is the Buddha.
as an example. So this makes this cultivation of, of goodwill so uh, necessary to act as a counterbalance or as an alternative for these identity templates. You don't need an identity to have goodwill. <laughs> so don't mistake what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, you have a presence. Definitely, absolutely, there's presence, there's energy, there's heart, there's animation, there's awareness, absolutely. You don't have to pour it into that little box with a name written on it. You don't have to do that. You don't have to put it on a, on a spreadsheet to see how, how good is it. How good's your love? I don't think your loving kindness is much good, frankly. <laughs> Not as good as mine. <laughs> How much did you do today? <laughs> so you don't have to do that either. <laughs> so the more you can relieve yourself of that burden of how good you are at it and how long you do it for, it just grows by itself, because that's the nature of things. When you take them out of these compressed states, they start to, first of all, they feel a bit disoriented, because we used to being compressed, don't quite know what we're supposed to do or feel, or act or behave, and feel a bit weird. They're just kind of, okay, that's part of the, that's part of the process, feeling weird, feeling disoriented, good, good. <laughs> Keep going, <laughs> accept that, be with that. Okay, everybody feels weird. We're all in this. Oh, no pressure, no pressure, no pushing, no pulling, no claiming, no rejecting. And this, you learn the goodwill from that goodwill you have towards your own process of growth and a goodwill towards your own process of growth, just like you have goodwill towards a toddler, even though they take two steps and fall flat over. You don't say, you idiot, <laughs> get it together. It's just the same. Okay, two steps is better than none. Okay, so let's just, just pick it up again and come back to the healthy place rather than the identity place. Now, even you're meditating, see, Okay, you know, you're doing this thing called meditation, which is a bit of a of a booby trap in some respects. And this constant, unremitting mindfulness, God, no. you know, ceaseless diligence, on wavering in the face of pain. Oh no! <laughs> well, a little bit of wavering now and then. <laughs> Emotionally calm and steady, you know. No, no, just like <laughs> get to the animated condition in your body, and you know, and be with it in a loving way. And uh, there's all sorts of rubbish will come up. Is the kind of the jeering in the audience and the critic, critic in the top of the head? And thinking, okay, guys, you know, back off. I'm, here I am doing my thing. And all this stuff is just really when you get that holding your frame of attention properly, don't let them in. 
they're there, but you don't let them in. And this is where I am. You guys stand outside, you, please, thank you very much. Um, and, and then, okay, you know, the criticism and the doubt, is that there? And just, what's it feel like? I mean, here's this presence, and it's really a lot of stressful, distressed, confused energies. These voices, these sounds, these emotions, it's a lot of confused, distressed, sore, inflamed, complaining energies around, saddened, and so forth. Oh, oh, and compassion. And you widen into that. And your awareness can then widen you know, to include those experiences. And they all tend to, in the touch of awareness, for awareness, experiences become more like snow on water. You know, it drops and then it snow on water. Because if there isn't the grabbing, the fighting, the adopting, the believing, the rejecting, all that gripping energy, the stuff has got no place to land. There's no flypaper. And so with it, flies are flies. We don't have to have the flypaper. Now, a very um, and it's animated experience. One thing we uh, recognize about life is it's moving. Everything is moving. Breathing is moving. Pulses are throbbing. You know, tissues are kind of yielding and stiffening and subtly shifting themselves. This is part of the animated condition. We're not actually made out of bronze or stone or flesh, blood animated. So rather than that, actually make full advantage of it, be animated. You know, now of course, uh, you say that you might say one of the fundamental animated things is it breathes. Be the breathing, be that, not just focus on a sensation, but actually be the fluidities of that energy moving through you. Open yourself to it. You know, just take it out of the idea of breathing, just to feel what really happens to every tissue in your face, in your skin. It, you, know, you enter the fullness, the samma, fully breathing, letting the breathing be full. Notice how it seems to arise and it goes into a fullness and it seems to ebb. It hovers and it returns. It's like a ribbon, like a loop. Now, from our ordinary sense, we might think there's one breath and another breath. Where does the other breath come from? Does it know where to go? <laughs> Maybe there's just one breath. Begins as we come out of the womb. And it flows through these forms until the last one. By now, there she goes. And it's mesmerizing 
mesmerizing form, it comes into fullness and it goes and it dips beneath the sensory horizon and then it rises up again like the sun. Rises like the sun, sets like the sun, returns again. Just like the sun does, apparently. How does it know where to come? The sun knows where to come back every day. (laughs) Because it didn't go anywhere. It's just our sensory consciousness couldn't track it anymore. That's like the breathing. You know, you get a sense, I can't feel the air, but I can feel some kind of energy shifting and steadying and then lingering and then picking up again. That's rhythmic. So be with the full rhythm of it. And what's interesting is you get to come to the endings of the breathing, what you think is the ending of the breathing, the mind begins to, when's the next one? You know. Have I got it right? I'm losing it. Then just stop that. Trust the process. And your mind deconstructs. Because at that point, there's nothing to hold on to, nothing to make happen. Your mental programs can't track that place where the breath dips beneath the sense consciousness. Here it comes. Can we stay open? Because this is where the becoming process pauses. There's places where we can't, there's no tracking, there's no becoming. Then it comes back again. And as we really get the heart to dwell in this more and more, we begin to sense some of the most uh, profound experiences are the non-become when the becoming pauses. It's not not nihilism, it's freedom. So, disciplined attention, don't drop the ball. When the ball disappears, don't drop it. 